Welcome back, everyone. This is Tyler, Dan, and Bass doing Anime DGENs Episode 7. We have a special segment this week where we'll discuss Devil Fruits from One Piece. There's so many that we had to narrow it down to our favorites. One Piece is one of our favorite anime of all time, so I'm, I'm really, really excited about that, actually. And uh, the Devil Fruit segment will be followed by our first look of Mobile Suit Gundam, Iron-Blooded Orphans, and then lastly, our weekly rundown of My Hero Academia, Buddy Daddies, and One Piece which is coming off a break. Either you boys excited about Go Piece being back? Yes, sir. I'm Excellent. super excited about it. Um, what about you, Dan? Yeah, yeah, I kind of, I knew what episode we were getting to, and there was one scene I was really excited to see, so I was very excited for one specific scene in this one, and uh, they did a great job animating it, so. That's yeah. awesome. Good, thankfully, good uh, thankfully, like, the two weeks didn't feel so long with My Hero, like, just you know banging out bangers non-stop yeah, yeah they I mean, really have been heating up over there yeah i was gonna say i mixed in a little marine ford just to uh, keep the vibes going right you know oh i feel that that that's uh that and, and um scott peter like my go-to arcs for when i'm when i when i'm uh, trying to get some extra one piece in my life um but tyler you had some uh a little bit of news for us uh yeah i actually seen on twitter uh yesterday i believe it was um ReZero is going to get be getting some news on March 25th and I think uh Anime Japan I think it is uh maybe a new season announcement uh, we could only hope because it's been ages since the last season. Yes so, sir. I've been working my way through season 1 so some season 2 news would be very timely for me man. Um yeah. when when did the the last uh season air? Probably like 2017 or 18, I think. So, oh, wow. I think. So, somewhere around. It was before 2020, so. Well, yeah, I appreciate sure. you putting me on game now and not five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like an AOT level season one to season two break right there. That's like five years. Holy cow. Right? Yeah. Long time. And like I said, hopefully hopefully it's a new season announcement. It is about time for that. Um, I'm super excited to see hear what, hear what it is, so. Awesome, man. Yeah, I saw this week that there was a uh, Gintama little special with some announcements, and uh, I haven't watched the show yet, but it's on my list to do. If you guys haven't like heard of this, it's basically like the Deadpool of anime. Like they know they're in a show. It's like total like they break the fourth wall all the time. Like they just make it's a parody basically of every shonen there is. Yeah, I, and... I saw it for the like the first time on Twitter this week, and it's pretty fucking hilarious. And there was one where they took uh, the One Piece opening, the classic one, and replaced Roger with uh, Gintoki, the main <laughs> character. Yeah, I saw that. I just saw no. that like 20 minutes ago. Oh, my God. Gintoki became the Pirate King before Luffy, so he's got that going for him. But uh, at the end, they announced that there is a spinoff coming on. It's called Third Year Class Z Ginpachi Sensei. So it's basically Gintoki's a teacher at a high school. And like it's going through like I there was no subtitles on it, so I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> okay. There was one scene when I had like him dressed up as Gojo and then the other characters dressed up as people from Jujutsu Kaisen, and I'm like, oh, they're getting right back to their ways, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's always sounds like a fun time when we're talking about Gintama. 
Plus, I think it's got like a lot of action in it as well. So I need to check it out too. Cool, cool, cool. So guys, let's go ahead and get uh <clears throat> get started with our first segment. Um, guys, what we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about some devil fruits and um kind of where this came from is last episode we brought up uh thinking about having a segment with the the uh devil fruits from one piece and you know i was thinking you know, there's no time like the present so we all agreed to go ahead and knock that out this week for you guys uh so we've each picked out our favorites and we'd like to you know just discuss them with you guys and just to back up a little bit just in case you guys do not watch one piece and if you're not familiar devil fruits are literal fruits that are scattered throughout the one piece world upon eating one of these fruits an animal usually a person is permanently granted its abilities the only drawback, other than what type of fruit you get, there are some bad ones. There's some historically terrible devil fruits, by the way. <clears throat> Is that you are weak to seawater and you lose the ability to swim completely. So if you fall in the ocean, you fall in a lake, you are donezo unless your friends are there to save you. And there are actually three different types of devil fruits. First, a zoan fruit, which allows you to transform into an animal, as well as like an animal hybrid between a human. And it also grants you abilities based around that animal. So like if you're a cheetah, you'll be fast, maybe able to bite and claw people. Next, we have Logia-type fruits, which give you the ability to transform into, create, and control an elemental power. So think things like, you know, fire, lava, light, water, air, even stone. And then lastly is the paramecia fruit. I looked at a bunch of different explanations of what this is no one can give me a straight answer but here's what i have for you guys so it's a wide-ranging category and it can be anything from like nico robin she can put her body parts on like walls or wherever she wants to or you can be made of out of something um but can't control it outside of your body like luffy so pretty much what what everybody says is if it's not a zoan or a Logia, it's a Paramecia. So that's my little one-minute, two-minute take on it. Now let's get to these fruits, guys. Uh, Dan, you want to you want to start us off with a Logia? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the Logia that I picked is one of the most broken ones in the show. So I picked the Gora Gora Nomi, which is in English the Rumble Rumble fruit, which belongs to our favorite, least favorite god, I should say, of yeah, the sky sure. of the world. <laughs> You know, so basically this is the power to control lightning. There's like a part in Skypeo and Robin's like, this is one of the most broken fruits there is. Like, it doesn't have a weakness. You're basically a god. Yes, but how yeah. cool would it be to become, generate, and control lightning, dude? Like, See, I mean, I couldn't even imagine. That'd be, that'd be amazing. Like you said, it, it is broken. It, it pretty much... um outplays everything right what what can't be electrocuted and what form can't you be electrocuted right anything pretty much there's one specific weakness that came to mind and it was mm. a, probably the biggest part of skypea uh so our boy luffy the main character is obviously made of rubber he's a rubber man and well uh that is my downfall folks so hopefully i don't run any anybody with the uh with the rubber rubber fruit because frankly i can't compete with that yeah, he Let's literally couldn't honest. touch him in the story. That was that was hilarious. And like as soon as we learned about the power, we were like, oh, he's gonna be good. But seeing them actually yeah. figure it out was hilarious. 
Yeah, the face that Edel makes when he sees this <laughs> shit, dude. It's like one of the most classic One Piece memes there is. He had a very, very, very long face. So but, what are what are some of the abilities, man? So, you know, like I said, you're you're made of lightning, which is insane. You can't be caught. You can't be you can't be injured by anything unless it's, you know, infused with hockey. So Bastard mentioned it, but hockey is also one of the big downfalls of Logia Fruits is if you have a Logia, you can still be hit with hockey. Which is like the one piece power up. I don't exactly know how to explain it because there's a bunch of different types, but basically it's when you're when you're really strong, you get hockey and you can coat yourself in your own energy, basically. And that's how you can punch somebody who has a Loki of fruit. But some of the cool abilities, you know, I can throw lightning at people up to like 10 million volts. So good luck. Just just a little bit. Just a little lightning. Good luck. You know, I mean, that's (laughs) I can just strike people with lightning all I want. You know, like not many people survive that more than once. I'd say all. so. And that's actually like practically very useful if you didn't want to be a god. For sure, man. And uh, one of the cool things is that Enel can actually travel through conductive materials. It's like if you touch metal, you can travel through that using your devil fruit. And that is broken as all hell. Imagine yeah. how easy it'd be to get from point A to point B, just hop into the electrical lines and get to school in 30 seconds. You know, right. like boom. Uh, one of the most broken abilities he it has is you can restart your own heart if you have a heart attack. Yo, I forgot about that bullcrap. I can literally die. <laughs> That's a cheat. Got myself back <laughs> to life, dude. But how how would you like be conscious enough to like know to do that? You know what I mean? Uh, dude, it's just it's just it's <laughs> magic, man. I love it. <laughs> I love I mean, the explanation. It's, it's one piece, dude. I don't know. <laughs> I love this. Okay. I don't know. I, mean, so, I guess like technically your start your heart can stop and you still be alive for a little bit. But yeah, your brain still works for like 10 seconds. You just go, oh, a zappy boo, boom, I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> but I just think it'd be a super cool ability to have. And like I remember when I was watching that like Skypea back in the day, I was like, oh, this is the best devil fruit there is. Like it's so fucking cool. It just happened to belong to a giant douchebag. Yeah, with like no work ethic. Nah, just, he could just run the world. There's not much you can do about him. Man, the world sounds really cool, but you know what sounds way cooler than ruling the world? What's up, bro? Going to the moon. Yeah. That's, all he, that's all he wanted, man. That's all he wanted was to go hey, to the I moon. I can't argue with that. I really can't. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah. Uh, that, that's it for you, my guy? That's pretty much it. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's an incredibly broken power. But uh, how about you, Bass? What do you got? Uh, so my Logia is actually the Pika Pika Nomi, a.k.a. the Glint Glint Fruit. So the holder of this fruit is like one of the most powerful people, Admiral Kizaru. But the actual fruit you can turn into control photons. You turn into light itself. So with this, you know, it gives you obviously a massive speed boost, right? You, you can literally go anywhere at the speed of light. The catch with that is you cannot turn. Photons do not turn in the real world unless they're influenced by heavy gravitational forces. You can only move in straight lines, but you can bounce yourself off things. Um, it could be dangerous if you were, because this is pretty much instant transmission. If you just went into like a, a wall or inside of something, I think you'd be kind of screwed. <laughs> <laughs> so you have wrong. to... You got to put on the trading wheels when you first eat this fruit. And God forbid you don't do this by accident when you first get it, because that's game over. 
Um, so in addition to like having high speed movement, uh, you get boosted attacks because you know you're swinging your arms and legs at light speed. Um, you also so this is this is what sold me. You get a fucking lightsaber, guys. Oh, you can you, <laughs> you can literally also, make a sword out of light. That 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 got me. That got me. Oh, you know, I was gonna also say you can just shoot photon beams everywhere, dude. Like, right, man. I've uh, I've like done that in my uh, lucid dreams before. It's like just shoot laser beams <laughs> out of my fingers. You telling me I could actually do that now? Go to go to almost, right almost as cool as shooting lightning out of your fingers. But you know, I'll give it to you. Yeah, it's it's up there though, bro. It's up there. You can't really react to me shooting, which is nice. I guess it's the same for the uh, Rumble Rumble Fruit though. So I'm gonna like sum it up basically. So yeah. you're saying you you want to be like Sonic with a lightsaber? Yes, yes. Okay. Nail on the head right there. Want to clarify that? <laughs> it's not very complicated, but it, it's like one of the most powerful like Logias. Um, we even saw. I think it was during the war arc that we were talking about earlier. The uh, at the end, uh, Kazaru did like what's called the the eight uh, comma jewel of Shaku, where he like crosses his arms and like shot all those beams in the water trying to get after uh, Law. And you guys think you know that had to go through a bunch of ice and water, and it still like went to the bottom of the ocean. So, dude, dude, with this power is something serious, man. Something serious. But I don't know if it has like much practical use other than like getting rid of your commute. <laughs> <laughs> but that's pretty that, that's pretty much it for me. I, I just I just thought it was a really cool fruit. Uh, if it's like I feel like it's a guaranteed win as long as you use it correctly in a fight. I gotta throw a massive sidebar out right quick because we all What's know the, the One Piece live action is coming, right? Uh huh. And if if it continues, they're gonna need an actor to play Kizaru. And there's only one person that comes to mind, and it needs to be Adam Sandler. Like, that would be needs, so good. <laughs> it needs to be Adam Sandler, and he's got his big Netflix deal, so he's already halfway there. Oh, get him in! Know. Tag my man Adam in. But like, I can't think of a better character to play such a dopey guy. No, that's pretty fun. <laughs> I just and I love how, like I actually really like his character. He like just doesn't really give a crap, and it kind of lazes around. A man after my own heart, you know. For sure, man. What about you, Tyler? What do you got? Um, for my Logia fruit, I picked the dark, dark fruit. Yummy, yummy, no me. And basically that allows a user to create, control, and transform into darkness. The darkness has strong gravitational properties, and the user has an infinite amount of space inside their elemental body. So this is a pretty like wild uh devil fruit as we learn about in uh, One Piece. Uh, like, he can basically, like, create, like, black holes uh, that absorbs just physical matter and any attack just by sucking it into darkness. Uh, and he can also just spit out um, whatever he absorbed, and it kind of is... Uh, it's destroyed, but, like, not... Um, um, disintegrated i guess you can say uh, right he's got like a pocket dimension right yeah like you'd have like a pocket dimension like he can put like we we've seen it before uh in the fight against ace i believe is that correct and he like uh devours a whole town so and just spits it back out and it's like all demolished so i don't think there's any like um limitations on what he can actually take into this black hole uh so it's pretty neat it's like a pretty 
uh, offensive um, and defensive, um, you know, devil fruit. Yeah, I think uh, so. In a, in addition to like the black hole and like sucking things in, <clears throat> he can also nullify other yeah. devil fruit powers if you touch him. Like you can't use devil fruits if you if you if you touch him, which is. Completely and like it's, broken. It's pure nullification. It's not like sea salt. Uh, or it's not like the sea nullification where you can still use your abilities. Like it's it's like you never had them before. If he touches you, so so uh, we both had like a nice real world reason we wanted these. <laughs> do you do you have one of these? Or are you just trying to take over the world, okay. man? Like okay, what's going so on here? Hear me out. As we see in the anime one piece we see that you know blackbeard is able to get multiple devil fruits by using this technique somehow so we don't know how yet but somehow he's able to combine multiple devil fruits so imagine if i could just combine whatever devil fruit i wanted with my own and have multiple devil fruits that i choose from because who's gonna stop me you know well, so I don't know if that's because of the darkness, darkness through, or if that's a different power he's got going on. Because there's a, there are way there's too many theories, boy. There's no, some theories way, out about way, that. way, way too many fan theories about Blackbeard and how he pulls this shit off. So we don't know. I want how to he does believe. That. I want to believe that it is due to his, you know, his his ability basically, you know, allows him to, you know, absorb. And like he nullifies other powers and stuff. We just don't know how he does it. And I really like to believe that it does. He he's figured out a way to actually, um, like just eat eat them somehow and take on the powers somehow and store them. Like it, he has all the reasons to be able to do it. We just don't know how he does it. So with in, power. In, in, in short, Dan, I'm going to sum that up for you. He wants all the devil fruits. No, I just want is, some. Just I just want, want some. some. I want to oh, pick and choose. Wow. My man's power hungry. <laughs> okay, all for one. What else? <laughs> I guess going off of this too. Did you have like an emo phase back in the day, like Hawthorne Heights going on? Now we're you getting know? the real questions. Here we go. Because <laughs> this is a pretty, this is a pretty emo-y fruit, man. Like you're just sitting there, like I oh, come sim black. It's all fucking time, man. <laughs> Look, I, I liked I liked some MCR and shit back in the day. You know what I mean? <laughs> Teller said, "I am darkness." But I mean, dude, the bane. There's just like a lot of upside on this, uh, on this, uh, you, um, this devil fruit. And if you're trying to little, destroy things, yes, yeah, I mean, man. But it's not you. Like, let's say, for example, if I was right and that it is the devil fruit um ability a mm -hmm. technique from the devil fruit to be able to absorb other devil fruits then like i could i could get i could get dan's fruit and nah, i could get back to catch fruit. up to me bro you yeah, catch up to me yeah you're gonna you're gonna have to catch us dog <laughs> we'll try right, right, with bro. You. <laughs> i already go through the phone lines like a like a freaking gypsy dude don't even worry about it Look, i got i'll get uh, listen i'll absorb another power just so it'll make it useful, helpful for me to absorb your power. 
No nope. greedy, uh, man. You I greedy. Don't, I, I don't think you can take. I don't think you can take the the Gura Gura Nomi because, frankly, I'm pretty sure Blackbeard can only have a Paramecia, a Logia, and a Zoan. I don't think you can have mm. them all. Well, that's mm. fine. That's fine. And I don't think it has anything to do with his Devil Fruit. That man's got three souls, man. That's why his. That's why his flag you has three so? heads on it. That's what I think. It it seems kind of apparent to me. They they say he never sleeps either, but, so that would be you know but, three. Eight hour you know, rotations. he maybe he does have these souls, but he has to use this power to absorb it into the extra souls, right? Nah, dude. And what if what when if they you... kill these guys, they got a backpack of fruits in the back in their back, and they just you know the devil fruit spawns there because they're right next to him. That's what it is. So, you, but what if I was right, and what if I could use the black hole technique plus like big mom's technique and just create infinite souls and just have infinite powers? Well, I'll I be like think, Thanos, bro. I think you're cheating. I think you're cheating. <laughs> I think you're grasping at straws here. It's going to be really gratifying when we find, like, 13 years from now, when we get to that episode of One Piece where they're, uh, <laughs> if you're lucky, it's, it's finally revealed. And Dan and uh, going to say, I told you so, Tyler. Yeah, we're going to come back in, like, episode, like, 900 and be like, you, f- you fucked up, dude. And I'm just going to be like, bro, prove it. And they're not going to find a video anywhere. <laughs> no, nowhere, bro. <laughs> awesome but, yeah so all right next i i believe we were going to do the paramecias next but i think we don't have time for all three would you guys just want to pick your favorite out of the next two categories and keep we it just, pushing we just we just bang them all out real quick oh, let's do it then let's do it you go first so my paramecia would be the fuwa fuwa nomi the float float fruit that belongs to our boy shiki the golden lion so basically, this ability lets him cause inanimate objects to levitate, as well as himself. So I couldn't make, like, Tyler and Bass levitate, but I can fucking fly. I can make my pirate ship or my car fly. So, like, I'm just flying over traffic, dude. What I'm, I'm traffic? home. I'm home mm. in 10 seconds. But well, would and you I even need a car if you can fly? You know, I got a lot of stuff. I don't have that many okay. pockets. Okay, I understand. I could have a flying house, though, You don't dude. have a pocket like, dimension like old Tyler over here. I could have a flying house. <laughs> A flying car. I could fly anywhere, dude. I could also make everything fly, basically have telekinesis. Like, this shit is broken. That's okay. dope. That's dope. Okay. But a uh, couple weaknesses. I can't make other people float. That's one, like I said. And I can only control items I've touched. What if you put somebody in something and made that object float with them I, in it? I could have a lot of fun in Roller Coaster Tycoon. Let me put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good. Awesome. What about you, Bass? Uh, so my next, mine paramecia is the Ito Ito Nomi, a.k.a. the String String Fruit, used by Doflamingo. You sick um, fuck. Dude, I, I don't, I'm not trying to like birdcage anybody, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I think it's like regarded as like one of the most versatile fruits, which is why I wanted to use it. Um, you can tie those the strings. So what this does, it allows you to control strings that you can create. They're ultra durable. You can make them extremely sharp. Um, but one of my favorite things about it is you can tie your <clears throat> your strings up to the clouds and walk on the strings across the sky, which is dope. You can do that between buildings or whatever you want to do. Um, you can also use it to heal yourself, which I th- thought that was really really useful and a little broken. Like kind of um, stitch yourself up, kind of. Yeah. Deal? So if you okay. get if you get hurt, you can even do it on an atomic level if you're skilled enough with it. Um, you can shoot bullet strings out of out of your fingers or wherever you want to, and you can actually copy yourself and other people, and make them into like stream forms. 
Um, you, you don't get like their abilities or anything, but if I wanted to make a decoy of like Tyler or Dan here, I could have one walking around saying stupid stuff. It's kind of like a deep fake. <laughs> you don't, you don't got to do much to get me to say stupid stuff, dude. <laughs> and uh, I think the reason that Dan called me a sick fuck was uh, you can actually put this in the back of people's necks and like be like their puppet. It's called Parasite is that move. And uh, in the story, Doflamingo uses to control a whole island of people. So you can, it's pretty much unlimited and he could still travel so you can go anywhere. It's just the strings attached to him. And uh, that might be useful in business. You know, I'm, I'm a very ethical person in real life, but that might be useful <laughs> in coercing some people. You know what I'm saying? I was alluding to, I was alluding to the bird cage. Oh, okay. I was alluding cage. to the uh, the bird cage and leveling an entire city with strings and killing a lot of people. But uh, you know, that's, that's not really what I was interested in. But I could do it. <laughs> he wants to be like the modern day Aaron Yeager, bro. He wants to save his friends. I'm not committing genocide, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just so the listeners know, in case you aren't familiar with the old bird cage, is uh, I would pretty much shoot these ultra durable strings up into the sky. And then out in a circle, like surrounding whatever area I can cover with my stamina and slowly bring them in. It would pretty much crush and cut anything in its way right back to the center. So it is a, a bit of a sick move there. So I get that, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Tyler? What do you got? Well, I got uh, a more useful um, uh, devil fruit than my dark, dark fruit that y'all said wasn't useful in everyday life. I got, the, <laughs> I got the oppie oppie no me, which is the op op fruit that law has. And that basically gives me the like it's gives me the ability to like uh be a surgeon kinda or be um just do anything like medical kind if I have the knowledge that is. Uh, like I can swap uh places of multiple targets i can slice targets apart without injury i can reattach the said parts to anything i can take organs out of the body without harms you know i can implant personalities uh spirits into other bodies um it's just a whole like mess of uh skills that uh this op op fruit has with it but um the Marines was actually, fun fact, the Marines was actually willing to pay five billion berries to a pirate to get this fruit um, because it's actually called the ultimate devil fruit because it's got a unique power that comes along with it and it actually grants another person eternal youth in exchange for the user's own life, which, you know, I, I'm not really good into using that, you know what I mean? That means I'll have to die, bro. Say, yeah, you'd be dead. <laughs> but, yep. you know, just think about, you know, the ability to do that. If you was to be about to die or something, you can maybe uh, help your friends out somewhat. You know what I mean? I feel like you could be a fantastic doctor by day, magician by night with this one, because the ability to chop your um, your assistance in half. Yeah. On, on stage without having to do any quote-unquote magic would be pretty cool you know yeah, yeah and it wouldn't even hurt that. them so but i i feel like this one is a um, more useful in like everyday life um if you used it that way so okay that, yeah that's, that's, a, that's a good turn from where you were with the uh 
the dark dark fruit you're going from destruction to some actual usefulness very good See, very i can good. use them both to balance each other out you know here it goes with this again <laughs> you only get one we're sticking to the rules here tyler <laughs> okay if i only got one i would definitely pick the op op fruit it's more it's it's it fits me better so yes sir uh dan what's your what's yeah. your zone so for my zone i i kind of was looking at one fruit uh, the Tori Tori Nomi, which is the bird bird fruit. And I kind of had to make a decision on which one I wanted to go with because there's a bunch of different models. I was between Falcon and Phoenix, but I feel like, you know, Phoenix just has some better uses. So that's Marco's fruit. Uh, basically, I just really want to be able to fly. Like our boy Aaron gets with his obsession with looking at birds. That looks fucking cool, man. Birds are free as fuck and also not real, but that's another story. Okay. All right. <laughs> Dude, they're just surveillance devices built by the government. Trust me. I want you to take that tinfoil hat you have on off right now. And let's continue with the show. I'd have to, I'd have to take my headphones off, dude. Okay, okay. But uh, also, Blue Flames are fucking badass. His hybrid form is really cool. You have, we haven't actually seen like a full hybrid form yet. We just see him with like wings and like talons on his normal body. But uh, one of the big perks of this is I would be able to regenerate injuries for peop other people and myself basically cure cancer just by lighting people on fire. There's, oh, there's so, so cool. Marco actually is just healing himself. I thought he just didn't take damage. He can heal himself as well. Okay. So you can do both. Okay. That's why you'll notice like Marco occasionally gets like little scratches. So instead of like using his stamina to heal those, he's saving for the, uh, the big injuries. Okay. Understood. Makes more sense. But yeah, man, it'd be cool to be a fucking Phoenix. That's for sure. <laughs> I'd say so. I'm not the biggest fan of Zoans anyways, because they're kind of like, they can be wanna... really lame. I don't want to be a fucking cat person, dude. No, no, no I'm, I'm not Neko. No Neko Dan here. You don't want to be a furry? No. Oh, he beat me to it. I thought, no, I, I th don't. I thought you was talking about furries in our group chat the other day. I was making fun of him, dude. Oh, I don't know about <laughs> yeah, that. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's true, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get into that later. <laughs> okay, okay. So my Zoan type, very odd one, actually. It's the Hito Hito no Mi, uh, Madaru Daibutsu which is the human-human fruit model Buddha. So with this one, uh, when I transform, I think it only has one transformation. That's all we've seen so far. I just turn into a giant golden Buddha, which off rip is dope. <laughs> that's, that's sick as hell. Uh, all gold, everything, all the time. Um, but it only has like a couple abilities. Um, one, can you move? Yeah, you can move. Okay. You're, you're free to move. You're just made out of gold. Uh, okay. I guess you're kind of malleable to yourself, but... When other people attack you, I mean, they're just punching gold. They're hitting gold, so imagine that. That would suck. Yeah. But, like, the big offensive move that this fruit grants is, like, impact wave. So I can, like, push air and make it explode on you, or I can hit you and create a shock wave. And kind of as okay as that sounds, our guy... What was the what was the admiral's name at the at the time? Sen Goku. Sen Goku, my boy, great hair by the way, great hair. Um, <laughs> actually injured a few of the Blackbeard pirates with one move. You know, just to tell you how powerful it is. It doesn't have any like actual utility, but I'd be fucking gold, and that's good enough for me. I was gonna say I could just imagine you in the back of like a rap video, like all gold everything, yeah, all gold, even everything. my clothes, man. Just him. Gold all in my entire body. Gold all in my watch. Can't stop me. Don't watch. Like, I get to see you doing that, dude. <laughs> and like, the so Rick, what, all gold Rick Ross. 
And one thing I'm I'm trying to think if it would work like this or not is like when my clothes turn to gold, like can I just break pieces off and sell the gold? No. Is that not how it works? No. Could I keep it gold until I sell it to somebody? No. No. <laughs> we're not letting you we're not letting you win this one, Bass. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have it my way with the dark, dark fruit. You can't man. have it your way now. All right, y'all some haters, man. Whatever. <laughs> the difference is is he's asking serious questions. You're taking crackpot fan theories and trying to make them canon. There's a difference here. <laughs> it is I think canon it would in work. my world. I would not. I would not be a good guy on the uh, jewelry trading market, but I'd be rich. I tell you what. <laughs> oh, uh, so what, what do you? What do you got? What do you have, uh, Tyler? Well, um, you know, uh, I just picked uh, the Inu Inu no Mi uh, model Okuchi no Makama or something like that. That's a mouthful. <laughs> but AKA, it's also known as the dog dog fruit, and it's a. Uh, and Yamato has it. Um, it's a mythic, mythical zone type and zone type. And it basically gives you the uh, ability to change from hybrid and a full version of an ancient wolf deity at will. So basically all this is, is I become a wolf, you know, an ancient wolf deity. And uh, like, obviously, like it's going to boost your physical abil- abilities, give you like wolf features. Um, just stuff like that, and sh- it also can. We found um, the furry. <clears throat> I was gonna say he's not gonna look as good as our boy Amato, though. No, 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 definitely not. But I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, it fits, you know. Moon dog, you know, Moon dog fifty four up in here. Um, give me the dog fruit, you know. The, the man wants to be the guardian deity of Wano, is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Not he's got a very uh, he's got a very he picked a lot of broken stuff here. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I just want to make shit float, dude. <laughs> But and I yeah. just want to be gold. But um, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I got a confession to make. I thought almost this whole time that Yamato had the like a fox fox fruit because um, she looks more like a fox than a dog to me personally. It's it's kind of it's kind of one of those things like where Kaido has the fish fish fruit mythical model um blue dragon azure dragon essentially. So it's like they kind of just do weird things like that. Oh, okay. Because right. the dog dog fruit has a bunch of different versions of it. He that just picked the really right. badass one. He didn't yes, pick yes. like the dog yeah. dog fruit model poodle. Yeah, I'm not sure what the um I'm not sure what the model Okuchi no Makami means. Uh I'm assuming it means something like ancient wolf deity. So I'm, but I'm assuming it's based off of like a little, little ancient like dog god from either Chinese yeah. or Japanese culture. So Oda's been known to do that. Yeah. He's he's all about that, but I just summed it up to a, a dog dog fruit because that's kind of what it is. It's just on a mythical uh, level. So cool, but yeah. cool. But other than that, like she can, uh, she has ability to uh, control ice as well. I believe, um, or he, she. Uh, we're we're not sure what they are. They, so yes, um, I think like yeah, I think she can control ice in like a limited capacity yeah she did have some ice attacks which were actually really cool to see yeah so basically um the okuchi no magami is a japanese gray wolf deity so you hit the nail on the head there yeah i thought it was something like that boom a divine beast in japanese mythology this man's a badass dude (laughs) yes sir all the way around 
Awesome. So those are three of each of our favorite. I don't want to say favorite because like I have other devil foods I like. I just don't know if they'd be very practical. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I, I feel the same way. Like I really like Robin's fruit, but I'm not a spy. I guess I could be one, but eh. Dude, you could you could your your like morning would be so easy with Robin's fruit. You'd be cooking breakfast, taking a shower, making coffee, doing it all, starting your car at the just same household time. Household chores. Oh man, I picked the wrong one. But it's all good. It's all good. So awesome. uh, Dan. Yeah, so now we're gonna get into our first look at a Gundam show, finally. Um, as you guys know, I am like the resident mech guy. Um, I fucking love mech shows, especially Gundam. Uh, so we were going to look at a couple different options. I chose this one because it is a standalone. You don't need like to watch 30 shows to understand what's going on. And there's a lot of action in it. So we picked Iron Blooded Orphans, which is from obviously Studio Sunrise. Every Gundam IP is from Studio Sunrise. Uh, this one released in October 2015. Basically, Iron-Blooded Orphans, or IBO as I'm going to call it because that's a, it's a long title, uh, follows the exploits of a group of juvenile soldiers who established their own security company after rebelling against the adults who betrayed them on a futuristic, terraformed Mars. The series deals with several real-life problems such as war, slavery, child soldiers, poverty, neocolonialism, and corruption. So just for a little backstory, uh, kind of going over Gundam as a whole. So this fits in, like I said, it's uh, the timeline this is in is called the post-disaster timeline. It takes place after the Calamity Wars. It's unrelated to other Gundam series. Uh, the Universal Century is a big one. There's like 30 different shows in that and movies and OVAs and all that. Um, so, yeah, you don't have to get a giant backstory for it. Um, you know, I'm looking at it as compared to two of the other recent Gundam shows. Origins is one, which is actually like the origin to the UC. So it follows like the upcoming of the red comet, who is, you know, Shar Anzabal, who is like the main baddie throughout the entire first series. And then there's also the witch from Mercury, which is newer and there's a new season coming out that I'm excited for, but it's kind of like slice of lifey Gundam romance weird. I'm and I didn't want to make these guys watch that. Hey, I appreciate it. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted Gundam giant robot battles. <laughs> I mean that's why we that's why we here that's what we do for the uh, the meccas and uh, I see here it's two twenty five se- uh, episode season so it's a it's not a long watch that's good yeah it's it's you know a nice fifty episode show like a lot of the Gundam stuff while it has timelines and all that none of the shows are really more than like fifty to usually they're like a season or two so it's not that bad yeah I've, um, I've watched a few Gundams I can't remember which ones but I mean I am forever in love with the Gundam series because it it got me back into anime as an adult. For sure. I guess to start, what'd you guys think of the opening song, Raise Your Flag? Um, gas. Absolute <laughs> banger. Um, nine out of ten. Hell that yeah. hot fire. What about you, Tyler? Yeah, I mean, I, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it was more it was better than uh the last uh I forget what we uh, featured on our show uh last Revengers, time. Right? Revengers, right? Revengers, yeah. yeah. I liked it better than the Revengers one, so yeah. Did the, you guys uh, check out the music video I sent you for the actual song from the band? No, I I didn't get to see it. <laughs> I didn't either. How's it so, work? Man with a mission, basically their stage persona is they all have giant wolf heads on. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and it's fucking gas, dude. One of the things I really liked about it though was like the combination of English lyrics and Japanese. So, like I could understand three quarters of it. 
Oh, oh really? Yeah, that that is true. Um, kind of like what like the city pop genre does, mixing in a little bit of English. Yes, sir. But awesome. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask Tyler before we kind of got into it a little bit. Was Tyler, you typically don't like mechas. Why is that? I mean, I wouldn't say I don't like mechas. I just, uh, um, I think uh, honestly, you and my honest opinion. Yeah, go like, for it. I think that the reason why I don't like mechas, I, I ain't gonna say I don't like mecha anime. But the reason why I don't like mechas is because, you know, I grew like when I played Fortnite for a long, long time, bro. Um, and I played it like every day or every other day or whatever until the season with the mechas, bro. The the mechas was so OP and like it made me quit Fortnite. It's how bad it was. And honestly, I think that's kind of the reason why I don't like mechas. Because I just had such a bad experience on Fortnite with mechas. So <laughs> let me let me get this straight. You're taking an entire genre of anime, unrelated. cartoons, unrelated. movies. Unrelated. I, it, and you it don't it like damaged them me, because bro. of a kid's game. It damaged me. Sounds like a skill <laughs> issue. Oh my god, really? <laughs> you couldn't do shit in that game. <laughs> The Fortnite players listening to this podcast will understand. Oh my god, let, that's ridiculous! Let, let us know in our Discord or Twitter or anything. Let, yes, let please them, come flame this man yeah, right now. No, yeah, please let come Dan, flame this man. Let Dan and Bass know how much Mecca's ruined the game of Fortnite, and if you have emotional damage or emotional <laughs> trauma from the Mecca's, if let you us have know. emotional trauma, please call this hotline. <laughs> Discord anime DJs. Call, call that hotline and flame this guy. <laughs> yeah. So but, uh, I, yeah. yeah, I guess to start, we can kind of get into some of like the key topics of you know. I mean, we only watched like you guys will watch like three or four episodes. Four. Yeah. Three. So obviously, we don't want to get too far into it. Um, one of the big like key points of Gundam usually is politics, and we didn't get into that a lot in this one yet but um so the first thing that really stood out to me in watching this for the first time was the fact that this whole third unit of the cgs which becomes Tekadin, they're all kids like these are like 10 to 15 year olds who are driving mobile suits around and just fighting battles like how like does that's not something you see in a lot of shows what do you think about that tyler because you've never really watched a gundam I didn't I didn't really understand why they was all kids um driving them around uh I'm assuming maybe it has something to do with like other Gundams as well maybe is that correct Uh not necessarily I mean child soldiers are a big uh key point of a lot of Gundam shows but uh in this all those kids are actually human debris which is essentially orphans from space battles whose parents have died and then they're sold into slavery and this does, organization bought them and turned them into soldiers. So does does it explain that in the first three episodes, or is it, does that come later? Oh no, it does. It talks about human yeah. debris. There's okay. Akihiro, who is one of the main characters, and he's he he just considers himself trash. He's basically like, yeah, I'll listen to whoever is in charge, and I'll do what they want. Okay. So that's a big part of it. Um, that going off that, you know, they get into the Alea Vinyana system which is that implant they'll have on their back. So basically what that is, is that is a piece of technology from the Calamity War that basically connects your spine to your brain 
and lets data flow to your brain from a machine. Which is sad because they're making these some of these kids take on that surgery involuntarily. Yeah, all of them are involuntary. I, I guess except Mikazuki, he wanted it three times. He's like, fuck it, let's get it, baby. I mean, he, so, he built different, though. I have a question about Mikazuki. So when he hooks up to uh, these uh, uh, mobile units and stuff, it, he starts bleeding and stuff. Why, why is that exactly? Is it like, does it take a toll on his body being hooked up and fighting with him? So that Kinda. only happens with the Gundam frames. Uh, Barbato specifically is the frame that Mika, Mikazuki uses. And basically so, it's just that the system is so much stronger and there's so much data being sent to his brain that his basically his nervous system is breaking down. Okay, so um, as a first-time watcher of Gundam, uh, so you these mobile suits you're talking about are they are these the little like tank-looking things that's like roaming around? Is that correct? So that's a mobile worker. There's three types in this. There's mobile yeah. suits, which is like the Grays, which is the big green one that Gallahorn has. Okay. There's the Gundam frame Barbatos that you see in the first three episodes. That's the white and blue one the classic kind of colors what's that the kind of like uses. difference between uh the mobile suits and the barbatos or whatever a type of uh suit uh mobile mobile workers are really there like you it's like a the, the gundam equivalent of a tractor yeah and i'm talking about gundam, like the gallahorns uh and the yeah. one mikazuki uh what's the main difference between them are they basically the same uh no so gallahorns frames are new and Mikazuki's frame is essentially 300 years old. It's basically like looking at like a 1996 Ford GT versus like a 2022 Lamborghini, you know? Okay. Gotcha. Both very useful machines. But um, one thing that you'll notice is that the Alea Vignana system basically takes all that battle data and just hardwires it to Mikazuki, which is why he's so fucking impressive, you know, combating or, you know, piloting that suit. Okay. And it's a Gundam show, so the Gundam frames are obviously going to be broken. I you know, mean, that's just part of it. Gotta be, yeah, they gotta be. Um, guys, we we saw these uh, these kids, these pretty much slaves, uh, being used as soldiers, like you said, and um, that, you don't see that a lot, especially in anime. Something kind of that dark. How did how did that guys make you feel? You know, bass is for the kids, so that really that really kind of hurt my heart there, man. Uh, I had been on a Gundam kick when I watched this for the first time, so I didn't really bat an eye. Oh, damn. He, well, I mean, dude, every time. Has, <laughs> yeah, they, it's usually kids. They, there's always like a, you know, 15 to 19 year old who somehow becomes an ace pilot and saves the world, you know? Yeah, usually on his own accord, though. Bro, is, is, is the big difference. Yeah, I mean, I knew there was like uh, some weird shit going on, you know, with all this, but I didn't really understand the dynamic of uh the the relationship between the kids and the um the people the adults i guess of what 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 is that the first class is that what they're called yeah, yeah the so first core yeah if basically first the the children are part of a unit of child child soldiers yeah. who were sold through slavery yeah i didn't i didn't really understand that dynamic while i was watching it i, I will mention that i was a little bit tired when i was watching it so uh, I think some gotcha. of the stuff kind of got lost on me. Gotcha. But. Yeah. So they're pretty much slaves to them. Is is what the whole dynamic was. You know, they were making yeah. them do all the tasks that they didn't want to do. You saw when they had that first battle, they thought they couldn't win, so they just left the kids there to defend the front while they got away. So yeah, I know they tried to run off, and I was like, 
why 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 are they why are they doing that but now it kind of makes sense you know because they looked at it as like trash basically yep. yeah is what y'all said so no exactly yeah so, so when go ahead oh i was gonna say did you guys like the fight scenes fight scenes were really good i thought they were pretty well choreographed i, I think uh sometimes with with anime fights it can kind of just be like flashes of light and particle effects but actually having pretty well choreographed fights is it was very very nice and uh typically gundam does a pretty decent job at that so i wasn't surprised yeah i i enjoyed it as well i thought that was the the uh best part of the show I think I would say um, was the fight scenes between the guy. Uh, what was it called? The Gala Gala Galahorn. Galahorn. Yeah, Galahorn. Yeah, and uh, Mikazuki, if mm-hmm. I say that correctly. Yep. Um, that those were my favorite uh, parts of the sh- anime. The the three episodes that I watched. So. Yeah, I think it's the end of episode three where he fights um the, I think he's Lieutenant Crank. Yes, and his grays, and uh, he wins obviously because he's it's a fucking Gundam. You can't keep up with that. And um, basically, Crank says he can't go back to his division like this as a loser, and asks Mikazuki to kill him. And without blinking an eye, Mikazuki just pulls out a Glock and puts yeah. three bullets in him. Just like, hey, here you go, buddy. And what's up with that? Like, uh, we seen like in an earlier uh, episode. He goes and just uh, kills people at um, his friend's w- wish, you know, basically. Um, but he, when he kills them, he shoots them like two to three times, like pop, pop, pop. You know, is, is make sure that the just a done. thing? You never heard he of the old double tap? Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> it just seems like a lot. <laughs> yeah, I. And so that's kind of one thing I did like about it because when Miko was killing, I uh, say like crank when he defeated him he didn't even say yeah i got you he was like say less and just started shooting him and then right after he like smiles and looks at his bracelet and i thought that was really cool because typically kid soldiers are very very ruthless um especially when you force them to fight you we've seen it in africa where like there's they just like way over the top they burn down whole villages on a whim and i think that just goes back to them being kids it's like they're so desensitized and this is all they know is it's war and hard labor and being beat up. So shooting somebody a few times to make sure they're dead is like really just not out of, out of the way for them. Definitely. Yeah. And that brings me back to Orga too, who is kind of like the leader of this division and what becomes Tekadin, which is basically, um, they basically tell the adult adults of CGS to pound sand and form their own, um, I guess security company is what you want to call it called Tekadin, which stands for iron flower. But Orca is kind of the leader there and he's, he's still, he's like maybe 16 years old, you know, mm-hmm. did you guys like him as a character? Uh, I mean, he was, he was one of the better, uh, I don't know how to say this. He was one of the better, uh, uh, overall characters. I felt like he actually showed, a little bit of emotion uh and uh stuff like that so yeah i thought he was a pretty good character um in the confines of this show i mean we've obviously seen way better characters from different anime but to only have watched three or four episodes and he seemed well put together like a good leader like a good guy that was awesome to see he looked like he had his head 
sewn on straight when he was facing very dire circumstances, you know, him and his friends about to lose their lives. And he's like, no, we got this. We got this. Everybody stay calm. I thought that was really cool. And I actually watched the last two episodes, episodes uh, three and four dubbed. And I was kind of surprised. The voice acting is pretty decent, honestly. It's, and uh, it's Ichigo. Yeah. Oh, you're right. I was like, I it's, know that voice. <laughs> I know that Ichigo. voice. Wait, is it really? Yeah. If you watch it dubbed, it's the same voice actor as Ichigo. I watched it dubbed uh, this time around because I watched it subbed last time. Who, or... uh, Orga? Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't. I watched it. I watched all three episodes and dubbed. I did not even know that. I didn't even notice it, bro. Yeah. I'm oblivious because so. I was like, I've been watching Bleach while i was watching this like it, it, you know <laughs> in between episodes and i didn't even fucking notice wow. it but i was like this organ guy like whoever's playing him is a great voice actor no shit <laughs> okay yeah definitely so i guess kind of the last topic that i'd like to get into because it's always such a big part of gundam is in this specifically the political side of it is going to be martian independence what did you guys think of kudelia Ina bernstein the basically leader or like I don't want to say leader, but like the head of the Martian independence move, movement. What do you guys think of her? Um, I don't really know what all to say. Uh, it look it looks like she's like your uh, normal rich, like noble lady type deal. Is that correct? For yeah. sure. Yeah. And uh, she seems like she wants to do uh, get out and um on the front lines and help um the causes but uh she's actually like way too afraid um kind of as well and it seems like she would definitely get in the way uh if she did try to get out there she would probably cause more harm than she would help is what it seemed like her character felt like to me um also it seemed like she had a crush on uh mikazuki i don't know if that's going to play into the storyline later on uh but it seemed like it was a potential love interest if uh mikazuki showed any ounce of emotion at all so which he doesn't <laughs> he's playing it cool right now <laughs> i think when they first met he like just didn't like respect her at all um yeah. because right off the bat he just doesn't doesn't shake her hand and she's like i want us to be on equal footing and he was like, oh, that implies that we're not. And like walks away and says, come, you know, come follow me. But I think their relationship's going to change a lot. I think they're going to probably get pretty tight eventually. Just kind of how they're setting it up. But I thought uh, Kulita. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, what you said. Um, I thought she was really cool that she was even wanting to try, actually trying to help on the front lines. But I think she started to realize after a couple episodes is like, that's not the place for her. She just doesn't, you know, that she doesn't have that, uh, those skills. I don't think she has that in her heart. She, you know, she was hating that people were dying, you know, quote unquote, over her and her and her actions. And she kind of learned, it's like, you know, these people are doing this stuff on their own free will and kind of like bumped down her ego in her head. And that was really cool to see. She even like cooks for some of the kids or tries to at least. And uh, so I thought she was a good character as well. Yeah, I think through three episodes or three or four episodes, you, you, there's so much character development in this show. Um, you'll if you guys continue it, you'll see a lot of that. Um, the one thing I would like to say about her is there's a drinking game for this show that you take a shot every time somebody says her full name. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> because it happens way more than it should. Yeah, and it's it's a long name. It's a long name too. 
and it's 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 one of the the funnier things about this show but um yeah i guess going into that's kind of like the overarching themes you can get from the first three episodes um there's an awesome fight scene but there isn't really a lot it gets into because they haven't made it a space yet so that's where they're going next um basically uh Tekadin is hired by kudelia to get her to earth where she's gonna go you know put in front of delegates from the earth's the Earth Nation, I think, I can't remember what they called them this one. They have a different name for Earth, the Earth Sphere Federation and every single Gundam. But, um, so that's like the plan, and that's where the show goes from there. But, um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting about this show is that it received a lot of criticism at first for the harsh themes, and like people wanted like a PG 13 essentially rating on this, which you don't see a lot in anime. So I thought that was really interesting. I can, yeah. I could believe that. It was harsh at times, and calling children human debris is kind of nuts. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of harsh language, so I wouldn't be mad at a parent if they were like, hey, this needs to be PG-13. I'd be like, yeah, that's completely understandable. Not, we're not that we're going to do it, but I, I get where you're coming from. But the thing is, is like, uh, if they make this like PG-13, then how many other anime shows, like a majority of anime shows, is going to have to be put as PG-13? Because... Exactly. Most of them show like a lot of shit like this, you know. Kinda. Oh yeah, and a lot of a lot are way more violent. Yeah, so yeah, graphic I, than this. I guess it's not the violence; it's more the themes. I mean, yeah. child soldiers, yeah. human human beings considered trash, all that kind of stuff. So I thought it was just an interesting thing when I was reading up on it. Um, I guess we'll hop into some ratings. Um, so I've seen this whole show already. Um, I'm giving it a six point eight out of ten. I thought the animation is okay. The OST is fantastic. The music in the background is fucking awesome. The fights are well produced, but the characters aren't as memorable as some of the other Gundam series. So that's what I gave it. What do you guys think? With only seeing three or four episodes, I guess. Um, yeah, I was going to give it about a six. I think it's a, it's a little bit better than mid, but I like you said, I'm only four episodes in. I was liking it. Uh, yeah, after after like three... I know, I know y'all want to hear my first uh, take on uh, my second Mecha show, with the first one being Darling and Franks, uh, which I really enjoyed. Um, but I went into this with an open mind um, because I love all genres of anim- anime, basically. Uh, but just kind of start this off, uh, like the fighting scenes with the mobile suits and stuff, they was pretty cool and fun. I that's one of the things I most enjoyed about it. Uh, I the things I didn't really like, you know, the characters were kind of dry and emotionless, like pretty much all of them. Uh, the story seemed to have uh, some kind of promise to it, uh, but it kind of was super slow starting out for me. Uh, like I said, it could have been because I was tired and I didn't really understand uh, what all was going on. I guess you can say um, mm-hmm. so. Um, I think that if the characters had more life in them, uh, acted like they had more life in them, then I think I'd like this a little bit more, but seeing as they're like all like basically statues and emotionless, uh, you know, kids, which I guess given the circumstances, you know, it's understandable, but, um, I felt like Biscuit and his sisters was like the most lively thing about this show. I really liked I enjoyed Biscuit. watching them, so. Yeah, Biscuit was really cool. And um, Gundams always seem to start off fairly slow because they kind of have to interwind the politics. Usually kind of the yeah. politics 
come to the forefront after a while, but they have to set all that stuff up. Um, so I think the characters will get better overall. Like you they said, they did. were they were actually pretty flat. I agree with that. Yeah, but there's I think they're setting up a lot of stuff that'll be good in the future. So I would probably give it like a a high four or low five right now. Uh, and as far as watching more in the future, uh, I just got to know like does the story get more interesting? Do the characters develop emotions at you know some point down the line? Uh, I mean, those are. Two things I really would like to know before I, you know, went further with this uh, show. Honestly, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of personal growth in this show yeah. for all the characters. Um, obviously, you know, they're going into essentially a war the entire time. So yeah, there's death, there's this, there's that, and you see a lot of you see a lot of personal growth with these characters. I mean, Akihiro specifically. Like, I'm I'm not giving away a lot of spoilers here, but yeah. he starts to see himself as more than just a pile of trash. You know, and stuff like that. So you see, you see that with a lot. You see that with a lot of the kids. They start taking on like more roles in Tekadin or in other areas and stuff like that. So there's a lot of growth in this show. Okay, so I mean, like I said, I, I'd be open to watching more, um, especially if it does get better. Because I thought it had, you know, promise. Um, it was just a couple of things that I didn't like. So definitely, but, yeah. I I feel like it's I, I the thing I've come to realize in a lot of these first looks is it's really hard to gauge a show off yeah. of three episodes especially when the show is, man. certain shows not so hard but when it's like 50 episodes or 100 episodes it's like we might have to give it a little more you know maybe like yeah hey i completely understand that's why i usually try to go e- easy on, on my rating um yeah try to stay open-minded with it because i don't i just don't know much yet like you said especially with these these longer shows 50 100 episodes uh, a lot can happen a whole lot can happen um, so I usually try to look at the potential more than, uh, you know, my actual enjoyment of the first four episodes. Definitely. Well, awesome. You guys want to get into the weekly rundown, Tyler? I think we're going to start with Buddy Daddies, if you want to get us going on that. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the weekly rundown, we're going to do Buddy Daddies, One Piece, and My Hero Academia. And obviously, if you haven't watched it yet, there will be spoilers. And now is your time to pause the podcast and go watch them. If you don't want to be spoiled um but now we're going to be starting on buddy daddies 10 lost at sea so kazuku uh kazuki and ray discuss what they should get mary for christmas suddenly they run into mary's uh, um, mother at the daycare mary's mother tells kazuki and ray that she wants to take mary back with her but kazuki refuses to uh, give her over after everything they've been through Miri notices her mother and rushes towards her, baffling Kazuki. Uh, so this episode made me laugh a lot, which was much needed because it helped with a few emotional moments that they threw in there, threw in here. Speaking of which, what was your initial thoughts when you saw Miri's mom pull up at the daycare? Um, well, for me, it was a couple of emotions. I was angry. Um, because her mother, first of all, abandoned her. And when they tried to give her back, she was like, nah, I'm good. Um, yeah. but in a much more devastating way, I think. Um, uh, so I was mad. I was disappointed because I think Kazuki and Ray just got to a point where they're doing a really good job. They've always been giving it their all, but they started doing a lot, a lot better here, especially Ray. And, um, I don't know. I, I didn't like it. I, it was like a visceral reaction to it. What about you, Dan? 
Yeah, I was in kind of in the same boat. You know, I was kind of um, I don't want to say angry, but I was kind of like, why? You know, what are you doing here? And mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously Miri, she's four years old, and I, I I can entirely understand why she was ecstatic when she saw her mother. Um, but yeah, it, I I think it really hurt Kazuki and Ray deep down to see Miri react like that to her mom, who hasn't been in her life at all in the last year. You know. Yeah, yeah, and she, and you know, as a four year old, she doesn't understand. Oh, my mom didn't yeah. come looking for me. You know, from where she's seeing it's, oh, mom finally found me. Yeah, mom finally came back, you know. Exactly. So that's just the yeah. way little kids are, you know. Definitely. And seeing Kazuki's reaction to that was, you know, it made me like him more as a character. Um, He was pissed. He was royally pissed. And Ray had to actually like settle him down because. It was in front of all the other daycare parents, and he was basically calling, like, he was like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Like, he didn't say that, but that's what he was basically saying. Oh, yeah, he was going to get around to that. And uh, Ray calmed him down, which I thought was very mature of Ray, especially for a dude who just wants to play Mario Kart. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, um, I, I thought that that was a smart move by Ray as well, because, you know, if, if Mary had seen... You know, uh, the papas like going after her mama, like that could have been um, very bad because, like, like you know, we said she doesn't understand what's going on. She doesn't understand why her mom hasn't been around, and she doesn't understand why her mom has come back. She just knows that she has come back, and if she was to see them fighting, then. Obviously, you know, she would get uh, heartbroken, basically. Very, very that. true. There'd be a lot of conflicting feelings for a young child. Um, but I also understood why, like, Kazuki got so angry, because he was the person that actually talked to her and, and tried to get her to take her back. And just to see how how she, firsthand, how she talked about Mary, which is an adorable child, um, really pissed him off. So I think it was appropriate that he got that angry. And a little bit in his, in his emotions there. Definitely. Um, but as so the story say, was... Mm-hmm. As they always say, right place, right time, right? <laughs> yes, sir. And a lot of times it's not what you say, but how you say it. Yeah. But um, so Mary's mom's story was that she got fired. Her She had cancer in her throat or whatever, and she can't sing. So she doesn't have a job. And that kind of brought her back around to Mary. Um. I don't know if I'm buying it. I don't know if I'm entirely buying it. She showed us a scar or whatever. Um, but it just seemed like a um, very convenient timing that Q reached out to her and, she, that, that, and that happened at the same time, guys. You guys think that's just a coincidence or you think she's telling the truth? Um, you know, I, I want to believe it. I really do. And like, I feel like it's hard to fake a surgery scar like that on your neck. Hey, they got some good makeup out here nowadays, boy. I know, but <laughs> deep, deep down, I just really want to believe it. Um, you know, Miri's young enough where it's not too late to try and rekindle that relationship. Very true. And from the other side, too, you know, like you said, Q reached out to her because, you know, Ray and Kazuki are going to, like, potentially put their targets in serious danger because of everything going on in the yeah. organization that they work for. And, um, you know, deep down after that, I was like, oh, she really is trying to do what's best for Mary. 
and she's going to go live at her parents' house and hopefully give this girl a good life for as long as she can. And it was, you know, heartbreaking to see that from the standpoint of Kazuki and Ray. But deep down, I do think it's probably best for Miri, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think so too. Because yeah, they they they're, they got some targets on their back. There's a lot going on in there. Uh, Hitman world. Um, yeah. But Tyler, do do you think Q was right in doing that? I think we had Dan explain it a little bit here. But what were your thoughts? Well, I mean, like, whatever options did he have? Um, like he could choose to, uh, like, ignore kind of ignore it and ignore the request of Ray's uh, family's uh, business or whatever, um, and possibly get uh, Ray and them uh, hurt or even killed uh, along with Mary. Uh, or he could uh, go to them and let them know or whatever, and then obviously Ray and Kazuki would probably try to react to Ray's father as well, which could result in, you know, a lot of bad shit happening. So I felt like that this was the smartest move for him and also for them as well. Um, for now anyways, because for one, it got Mary out of there and it also, uh, gave Kazuki and Ray the chance to not have to make the difficult decision to, take on Ray's father and uh, his family uh, if that was the route that they could have went. So. Right. Yeah, I think when um, Ray heard that Q reached out to him and then they showed him that picture of Ray, Kazuki, and Miri at the field day, I think it really hit home for him because he just had to go kill his previous mentor. Because the dude, all the dude did was fall in love, you know, yeah. and yep. he saw what they did to that relationship. And I think he understands the kind of danger that Miri is in. And I think he Very true. is kind of the catalyst for getting Kazuki to understand, you know, everything going on here and what could potentially happen. So I think, you know, they all realize deep down this is what's best for Miri as much as it sucks, you know. Yeah, it was, it was so sad. It was so sad. I mean, Bitters, we'll... bittersweet episode. Yeah, I mean, will her mother treat her right in the future? I mean, she might for a little while, but, you know, forever? Who knows? She seems like the type that, uh, like, uh, is very selfish. I think yeah. that'll come back in the future as well. Um, so I guess we'll see. It's a better situation there than it is with Ray and them as of right now. So, yeah. That's yeah. True. Hopefully, I the, um, Hopefully that cancer diagnosis kind of changes her priorities. I, a lot I of people change when they stare in the Reaper in the face. I was going to say, I think that's what happened. And I think that, you know, uh, there might be some financial incentive from Q and potentially, you know, Ray and Kazuki supporting Miri deep down after with, you know, financially with what they make. Um, that's true. Kazuki can actually give his money to somebody that wants it. Yeah. And, so, um, I kind of thought that, uh, like, um, the mom kind of forgot about Mary. And I think that when Kiyu brought it up to her, she actually realized that, she, oh, shit, I have a daughter. And that's when she started, like, thinking more and more about her new life after all this other shit has happened to her. I honestly think that kind of happened because 
why wouldn't she come straight uh, to Mary after all that shit happened instead of waiting for Q to reach out to her? You know, unless exactly. it's money like Dan's talking about. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I think that has something to do with it. Either way, um, that's pretty pretty trashy. Well, yeah. she's a trashy lady. Yeah. <laughs> Good gosh. Um, one thing that I like that we saw towards the end of the episode here, uh, Kazuki finally brought up his hypocrisy, talking about uh, returning the cat at the beginning of the of the show, and he says, you know, if you're not prepared, it's better just to not get involved at all. And Ray was like, you know, that's that's a very cruel thing to say, but. I think it does actually apply to this situation. Maybe they should have never picked her up in the first place, as great as the story's been. Um, there's orphanages, you know, and bringing her into this dangerous world and this really fantasy world life that they were living in is, I think, is going to be detrimental overall to everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough thing because you can't compare a child to a cat, you know? Yeah. Um, and well, I've parents do that, but okay. Good people good people can't compare a child to a cat. And um you know, I think that even after growing to love Miri and all of that, they you know, they aren't prepared to put her in danger. And I think that's what he kind of meant by that. Um before that though, this conversation happened on top of Ferris Wheel and this it, the episode got really cute and fun for a while. Basically they gave Miri like the best day ever kind of life. And yeah, uh it was took awesome. Took her to the mall, took her to like this, like the equivalent of like a Chuck E. Cheese or something like that with like climbing towers and ropes and all that kind of stuff. They had a really good day. But um, at the end of the episode, basically, they tell Miri that she's going for a sleepover at her mom's house. That way they don't have to say goodbye in like a heartbreaking sense, which had to be so fucking tough for those guys, man. Yeah, but the thing is, she wouldn't really understand uh, the situation, you know. Um, she would just think that, oh, they're they're leaving me, you know. They don't want me, type of thing, probably. So, yeah, it, it, that that was that was really sad. And you know, when you're dealing with kids, you got to be careful about stuff like that. Uh, I used to teach kids how to read at a like a local elementary school, and when I quit working there, I had to go tell all my kids individually, hey. You know, I have to, I'm, I'm moving and blah, 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 blah. And I had, you know, tell them how great they are. So that way, you know, if I just disappeared, it could have some, some long standing consequences for kids. So you got to be careful when you're doing stuff like this with children. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't like if that's how it's going to, I mean, it's, it's not going to end like that. There's going to be, there's like three more episodes. We're going to have something exciting happen, but um, I feel like not getting closure is going to be really detrimental to Kazuki specifically. Because I, I don't do, know how he's going to be able to handle that, man. But I do like that he actually gave uh, Miri his scarf. So, you know, that, just in case they was to not meet up again, at least she has something to uh, remember them by, I guess, in the future when she actually does grow up. But I, I'm with you, though. Like, I really hope this isn't the last time we see Miri this season. But, uh... I don't know if there's a second season coming or not, but no. No, from what I understand, this is a one shot. I mean, it's not based on a manga. I think it's going to be a one shot, um, one season okay. kind of show. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how it, the conclusion is because I think we have like two or three episodes left. So excited for that. Yeah, I am. Uh, I just hope they don't make me cry. That'd be nice. Do we think yeah. that uh, Ray and Kazuki will try to uh, 
take on Ray's father and them to maybe be able to get Mary back? I don't know. They basically said in it, they're like, I guess we can't have a normal life. So I'm not sure, you know. Um, just, I'm curious to see where they go from here. But um, I, I, speaking... hope, I, I uh, hope that they absolutely fry Ray's clan. I hope they absolutely <laughs> fry those boys, cook them. Burn it to the ground. All but, of it. But speaking of crying, do you guys want to get to our My Hero Academia episode this week? Oh, boy. Yeah, we, yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to move on to My Hero Academia 137, A Young Woman's Determination. Um, you, so the summary is Uraka finds her own voice when it becomes apparent that someone needs to step up and convince the refugees that Deku needs their help. She knows that Deku is the key to saving the world, so she chooses to speak out to the angry crowd in order to try to explain the situation. So we're getting ready. We're getting really close to the end of the season, and this episode is another emotional roller coaster, as Dan said. But it's also such a damn good moment for my hero. But before we get into all that, we open up this episode with them talking about the newly added ultra security system at UA High School, or UA Hero School. Uh, Dan, what all does UA have to prevent another Tartarus event from happening? Yeah, so um, the beginning of this, they get into some really cool technology, and being an engineer, I fucking love this shit. Um, So they get into basically the entire campus is set up on a grid, and in the event of an attack, they can smash the oh shit, we're fucked button. <laughs> and all of these sections of the campus are just going to fly underground using a magnetic levitation system. They're going to end up like 3,000 feet underground onto a train line equivalent to like the Hyperloop. Like Elon Musk's grand plan to fix like traffic. <laughs> and uh, they're going to launch them to all these other safe areas throughout the island of Japan. You know, um, the other schools, whatever, what other, you know, safety areas, evacuation areas they have. So Principal ne- Nezu is fucking wilding for this shit. And he yeah. was basically like, yeah, nobody else could do it. So I, I paid for it myself. Yeah, I thought that was crazy. I was like, How, what kind of pockets does this man have? <laughs> I mean, because we're talking about that Hyperloop system. And we're, this is real world, though. But it's supposed to go from France to I'm not France, uh, San Fran to L.A. Same <laughs> continent, same continent. Um, but it costs like one hundred million dollars per kilometer. That's point six miles for our guys out there in the, uh, in the United States. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Prez got some ducats. He might have put his must have put his life savings into this. I just thought it was ridiculous that it had like this much defense i thought it was hilarious i thought it was fucking awesome dude this is this is like doomsday level of like preparedness right here and frankly with all for one in shigaraki they gotta deal with that man and this is the way to do it it is it is i want to see what happens when when uh if this stuff actually works when somebody rolls up but and we'll see they also mention it too to combat toga uh they have like a vetting system or something like that, like a limbo kind of deal where they hold them for a certain amount of time to, cause they figured out how long her, uh, quirk lasts or whatever to, um, you know, turn into other people or whatever. 
So yeah, I they, thought that they, was pretty interesting for them to talk about as well. Right, because she has that's a really powerful infiltration yeah. quirk she has. Yeah, so they figured out how much blood she needs minimum to transform and the amount of blood for like time ratio, which kudos to them for that. Yeah. They went, they went hardcore. They sure did. They sure did. Um, I, I kind of thought the defense, the defense barrier was a little bit of an ass pull. Um, it's just got so much technology. You're going to put this in this giant area into a grid system on platforms levitated by magnetics. Well, that's real world technology, but not cheap. But then you're going to transport them three thousand feet underground and have them haul off all over, all over to the Japan. Yeah. Where dude. are the where are the workers that built this? Japan is in ruins. But you know what? <laughs> I, I'm I'm not gonna go off on a tangent there. Would you guys like? Well, do you did you well, guys think it like came out of nowhere? Like, how it, do you feel about it? They built this well before Japan yeah. was oh. destroyed. Um, oh. They built this in preparation for the. Um, redo of the school festival yeah. right oh yeah. that is right he did say that yeah so this correct. was a while ago but okay. regardless where the fuck do you get the money and the time to do this without anybody noticing yo how come like we watched them at the school for a long time and there was no construction the bro entire time of the yeah of the show like no how long were the how long were the work studies because that's the only time they could have pulled this shit off and frankly <laughs> Those are like two weeks. This is like a monumental engineering fucking process. It, I watch companies take <laughs> a year and a half to build a 3D printer. Yes. And these guys built like... Look, man, the, the freeway by my house has been under construction for five years. And they got this done in a few months? Give me a weeks, break, dog. Dude. Give hey, me man. a break. We don't know how much money UA has got. That's top school, dog. That's top school. I, I just felt like it was... They had to figure out a way to bring Class 1A back into the plot. And this was it. This was definitely the way they brought Class 1A back into the plot. Well, I mean, going off of that, though, I mean, we, we watched Midoriya just, like, crumble as a human. And Best Genius gets into it really well, talking about how, like, we need to support our heroes and help them recoup. Yeah. And that's the safest place for him to do it, you know? He's protected by his classmates some top heroes i mean he's in the freaking most impenetrable fortress in the world i guess now like i think it's the right move but um it is i think it's the right move too so but as we saw in the last episode the people who were basically in sanctuary at ua are not happy about it and we're gonna have to get into obviously the main point of the episode was uraka going off on a, a a little bit of a rant on why Deku should be here and everything else. But what did you guys think about that? Yeah, so we had seen her, you know, ask this question to herself multiple times over the last couple of seasons. You know, who protects heroes when they need protection or something along those lines. So I could, I could see why she would make this speech, but I thought it was very, it was grounded in a lot of reason. You know, it was, it was emotional, obviously, because of what was going on. And they had Deku standing there looking beat down and had a bunch of mud on him. But she kind of had to pull everybody together and be like, hey, it's not just us trying to survive. You know, it's not just the, the heroes out here trying to save you. Like, we need your help, too. You're going to have to make con- some, some concessions so we can actually finish this job. Um, so I thought it was really good. Uh, it was a good speech. Um, great rant. 
great rant and uh very emotional. What about you, Tyler? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I definitely did not uh cry during this one, so I definitely did not. Uh <laughs> I'm happy for you. Yeah, I'm just I'm just kidding, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, she, she brought up like a lot of points and, um, you know, you could actually feel it in, you know, her speech that it was full of emotions, like you said. And, uh, I, she hit home on a lot of stuff and what really got their attention, what I really liked the most about it is that all these people complaining about Deku being there, not one of them looked at him a hundred percent, not one of them like really honed in and looked at the shape he was in until Ochako, you know, said, will you just look at him? Just, just look at him, see the shape he's in. And why is he in that shape? Because he's out there protecting y'all right now. He's our own. He's one of our only hopes, you know, for, um, saving this world right now and getting it back to where it used to be. So I just, the speech was like top tier. Yeah, I think it in my was. opinion. Um, and like she even said, it's like, you know, it, it doesn't have to be permanent. I think with this change of mood that we're seeing, it could be. She was like, hey, he just needs to rest. Yeah. I mean, like you said, just look at him. He's he's an absolute mess right now. He can't go on much longer like this. You know, would you want your high school kid out there fighting like this and looking like this and feeling like this? So it was good. What was your thoughts on the speech, Dan? I really liked it. Um, you know, obviously it, it had so much emotion behind it and it was just, it just really drove the point home to these people to actually, like Tyler said, take a look at Midoriya and see the shape he's in. And, you know, she's, she's said it a few times is like the heroes look after everybody, but who looks after the heroes. And this moment just drove that home for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I believe last episode we were talking about how maybe, you know, mother, uh, Mother Deku would come forward and start, you know, talking to the people. Um, it ended up being uh, Ochako coming forward. Do you guys think that Mother Deku's words could have hit a little harder than Ochako's, or you think this was fine? No, I thought it was good the way they did it. I mean, we were hoping for that. We knew it wasn't yeah. going to happen. But um, I think the thing that really drove this home for me was seeing Kota, the little boy that Deku saved back in the summer training arc and the dummy thick animal lady i, I don't know her name she doesn't have one she literally doesn't have one online she, I mean, we nuts. couldn't find one but uh those two running to deku and embracing him i think was the moment that really drove it home for me and for everybody there being like this guy is a hero he has saved these people and we need to help him out you know yes i, I love that uh that uh i think they call them like Anamorpheus or something like that. That the person you were just talking about. Uh, I love that she got her little. I thought it was a little shade there. So you know, we should help the cryberry crybaby hero. And I was like, finally, somebody's called him what he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But yeah. uh, go ahead. Yeah, I, that was just a really good scene because you know we haven't seen Coda a whole lot since uh, since back in the day. Um, and he really came in clutch right now. So, uh, but I really liked that, uh, someone asked like Deku, uh, that if he stays there and rests, will things go back to the way they were before? And Deku just 
you know, res- responds by saying, I'll get it back. Like, that's that's how you know Deku is real. You know, that's Oh, yeah. Just he, he's ready. Great. He's serious about this. Um, I was thinking about myself if I was in that situation and somebody asked me, I'm like, well, you know, we can. I would have, like, half-stepped it. But he did a good job of, like, going ahead and confirming and backing up these people's feelings because they're afraid. They're insecure. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. I think this episode was did such a good job kind of culminating so many themes of My Hero Academia. But the one that really drove home was just that, you know, the heroes deep down are just people, no matter how big they are. I mean, All Might is just a person deep down too and like that didn't really get shown until he kind of retired and this really drove it home too for me so very true great episode and awesome. i also want to bring up at the end uh we see stain trailing uh all Might, looking sinister bro what do y'all what's up with that i'm gonna stick to my guns on this one I'm gonna stick to my guns and say he's 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 just looking for an opportunity to talk to him. Uh, even so? even as sinister that he is, he said with his own mouth that he really respects All Might. He doesn't like fake heroes. He likes Deku and he likes All Might. So I don't think he's falling around to hurt him. I could either be like some you know like some shadow protection, or he's just waiting for an opportunity to to speak to him. That's what I think, and I'm gonna stick with that. Yeah, I'm with Boston that one. That's the same feeling I had at first. I mean, Stained, he doesn't hate heroes. He hates what hero society has become or became. It's not really there anymore. Correct. And, you know, he wants heroes to actually be heroes, not in it for fame, not in it for money, in it for protecting people. And I think Stained respects, you know, both Deku and All Might in that sense. And I think that he doesn't like the world with all for one in charge. I mean, that's no better, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I normally wouldn't wouldn't agree with y'all, but they're just it seems like they're making it too obvious because every time we see him, he's looking yep. like he's ready to murder someone, murder all my and them. It's so, a dude without a nose. He looks like Voldemort, yeah. dude. <laughs> so I think they're trying really hard to make us believe that he's gonna try to do something to all my, but I think I think it's gonna be something like what y'all talking about too. Yeah, but, I think so. Because he, I mean, he could have attacked all my at any point. Yeah, he's not big boy all might anymore. <laughs> I don't even know if he if he, he's got that kind of if he's got that uh, energy left in him. So I think he could nah. have attacked him if he wanted to. You know, yeah. At all this point. Got, he's been following him around for 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 months or weeks or whatever it is. All might's got about fifteen seconds in a big boy mode, and then he goes back to coughing up blood. So, yeah. but overall, I think a fantastic episode. I'm really excited to see. I think the next episode is the season finale. Is it? Not right. I think it's the season finale. I think we got one more. And um excited to see where it goes. And we know we're getting a big old fucking cliffhanger. Like it's gotta happen. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, it's gonna be massive. But on that we'll, note, then we're going on break. Yeah. Well we'll go on probably I think I I can't remember if my hero's been doing one season a year or like a spring and a fall. I think they've been doing a spring sure and a fall. I'm sure they've been doing two cowers, so Yeah. Oh great. So I think we'll pick that back up in the fall. But love that. On that note, should we get into the goat piece, which is back after two week hiatus? Hell yeah. Okay. So now we're going to move on to One Piece 1054 titled Death to Your Partner, Killer's Deadly Gamble. And just a quick summary before we start, uh, Killer continues his battle against Hawkins, but the battle is not in his favor. Thanks to his devil fruit abilities, Hawkins has total immunity from Killer's attack. 
uh, with the damage inflicted being redirected to Kid. Killer's uh, subordinates arrive to his aid, but Killer refuses to attack Hawkins still. Um, Like Dan said, One Piece is finally back after a couple weeks. Uh, And in this episode, we finally get to see Kid and Law fighting Big Mom again. We also see Killer going after Hawkins. Uh, Speaking of Hawkins, his power is hella unique. Um, And it's kind of hard to fight against, ain't it, Bass? Oh, yes. So Hawkins possesses the uh, straw straw fruit. And what it does is he has the ability to take damage through uh, prepared puppets like within his body. And I, I forget how he actually ties these to individual characters or people, but he can put it, say you're going to lop off his head. He'll say, okay, this puppet is going to take control, um, take this damage, and it's actually going to lop your friend's head off that he has control over their 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 body or their damage. So it, it can, if he has somebody you care about under control, that's a big big issue. You know, if it's a grunt or somebody you don't know, not a big deal. But yeah, Killer was in a situation where he couldn't hit him because of he had kids puppet on him. Um, I have a question for you guys. I don't know if you if this is part of his power, but what are those cards he's carrying around? you know with like the um fortune teller cards is that part of his power no it's not part of his power it's just part of his character um okay he is really big in like the tarot card-esque style things and you know each of those cards in in tarot basically each card has like a second meaning behind yes. it yes and we see that very clearly in this one um i guess we'll get right into it because we're there uh so there's a scene where um during this fight with Killer, um, Killer kind of figures out a way to defeat Hawkins without injuring Kid. Super dope. Which is, this was the scene I was really excited to see animated. So basically, yeah. we all know Kid doesn't have an arm. Thanks to our good friend Shanks here. And with the wrong man. Yep. Killer thinks about this mid-fight and lops off Hawkins' arm. And Hawkins is just so surprised when he's damaged. And he loses his arm. His arm is on the ground. It is, it is, it is caught off clean. And it's just, you know, a killer's like, oh, kid doesn't have an arm. So I thought this might hit you. And you see killer go over to the arm and pull the kid's straw puppet out. And it just, you know, just basically falls apart in his hands. And he just goes back over to kid who's fighting big mom. He's like, oh, fuck. I feel great, boys. Let's fucking get it. <laughs> yeah. Kit was in a bad spot, man. But during this, you see Hawkins pull out a tarot card, which is the tower. And I'm pretty sure this is the meaning behind the tower, like actually in tarot cards. And that is basically like the turn of an era out with the old and with the new. And um, you see that. And basically, this is foreshadowing that the the emperors of the sea that they're fighting are going to go down, which is fucking awesome. That is sick. That is sick. I figure that's some kind of what that card meant or something like it. Um, during Kid's fight with uh, Hawkins, uh, sorry, Killer's fight with Hawkins, Hawkins says to Killer, you know, I bet you're regretting your choices right now. One, uh, Killer's had to eat one of those smile fruits and he has, he, instead of crying or making other sounds, all he can do is laugh. Um, but do you guys think that... Hawkins was actually regretting his choice in joining the the animal pirates because he seemed pretty sure about himself maybe until the end there. I 
think deep down Hawkins has always regretted that. It's kind of one of those things. I mean, when you're a member of the worst generation, you're like one of the most powerful up and coming pirates there is. And you just get put in a body bag like that by an emperor of the sea. Like you don't really have another choice, you know? Right. Like it's that or die. And I think he just did what he had to to survive. But I don't think he likes working under Kaido. Um, I mean, he's been living a pretty good life since then being a member of the, you know, Animal Kingdom Pirates. But I just think deep down, I mean, you can't be a pirate like that and not be driven, you know? That's very, very true. Very, very I mean, true. he could have he been like kidding them and chose to stand up to Kaido as well. But he chose the safe route and became a follower just because he was scared of Kaido. And when you aspire to be the best of the best, like, obviously all the worst-gen pirates want to be, like, obviously if you look back and you see the well, shit, uh, you know, nothing really happened to Kid and them because they, you know, did stand up to Kaido, then obviously you're, you're going to regret that because you could have been in the same boat they are in and, and try to be the best pirate as well. I'm going to counter that, though, because if it wasn't for Luffy coming to Wano, Kid and Killer would still be rotten away in jail. Very true. They got There's, lucky. They got really lucky. That's what it was like. This wasn't that they didn't get out of uh, the the prison or what with just their abilities, you know? Yeah. Um, And Orochimaru would have never given Killer a smile through to say, hey, if you eat this, I'll let you, you know, try and save your captain. And I mean, in reality, all Orochimaru did was basically. Orochimaru? I mean, you said it twice. I was gonna let it slide the first Orochi, time, but goddamn, no. Orochi, sorry, yeah, yeah, you're the good king. I'm, a lot of shows, a lot of names. Orochi, the the freaking king of Wado, you know, basically like makes him go fight Zoro. You know, like it wasn't like, hey, yeah, you guys are, you know, you sh-, they would have been rotten in jail still if it wasn't for that. So very true. I, I don't think that they made the right decision there in essence of like surviving. They got fucking lucky, thanks but, to a certain. But to be honest, like, like later on, like as we see, it did work out for them, though. Uh, it and did, if, but it wasn't and, under their own power. No, it wasn't under their own power, but Plot armor. it still worked out for them, you know. And Big if uh, if Hawkins would have, you know, stuck with, you know, on the other side, he would have been in the same position as they are now, you know, helping Luffy fight Kaido. Instead of getting shit on, so. <laughs> I guess if I was put in their shoes, I probably would have became a subordinate. Like, if I I'm being honest with 100%. you. 100%. Yeah. But I think when this raid happened, I think I'm, I might have jumped sides at that point. Because what's really is, stopping them from, like, that, from doing that? But the thing is, if you want to be the best of the best, like, like Kid and them, Kid, Law, and all of them, would Luffy ever become a subordinate? Or would he, like, stand... Like, that's he not would just, blood, he would rather die just well, like kid would rather die like like i think that's the one of the big defining characters that makes those three pirates so great yeah. um and i don't think hawkins and oppo had that you know in them yeah i'm just saying like to to be the best of the best you have to like not give in just because you're scared you know you have to stick with your guns yeah, that's true that's true but they, they were just being practical i don't yeah. blame yeah. them for that you know um, and again, until Hawkins saw this tower card, I don't think he thought that anything was going to change. You know, I still think yeah. he thought that Kaido was going to win it all. If yeah. he, if Which he is doesn't, like a major weaknesses but, of of his, I think, is following those cards so religiously. 
he puts too much trust in him. Because if he just looked around and saw what was going on around him, he's like, oh, this guy pretty much has me under him. I don't want to be here. This is my chance. This is as good a chance as I'm going to get. Yeah, you got to remember, though, he's living a pretty good life under Kaido. I mean, he had all the food he wanted. If if he had that dog in him, he could have flipped. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying is I just don't think he had that dog in him, you know? Yeah, that's very fair. So that whole arm slicing maneuver by Killer was set up in episode 923, 131 episodes ago. I thought that was amazing. I love when Oda does this. Um, And I don't, you know, even though I know Kid doesn't have an arm, it was still unexpected, but I kind of figured it out when Killer did. It's like, oh, I'll just slice his fucking arm off. He'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) But I just love when uh, storytellers set something like that up. Because, you know, at the time I'm thinking, oh, that's a huge hit. That sucks. He lost his arm. You know, he has a power where he can still kind of use it in a way. But were there, has there been any other moments in this manga, I mean, in this anime or another, where there's been a really long setup that you guys have loved or liked? All of, all of One Piece. It really is just one long setup. I, I mean, it's awesome. One of the biggest long cons is, ever is coming. So I'm not going to spoil anything. But one of the biggest long cons ever is coming like 800 episodes ago, you know, like. That's exciting. Okay, I'm here for this. <laughs> so obviously, we're going to get there eventually. I think probably like June is my guess. And uh, I think uh, when we're talking about long setups, I want to say like I have one, but I, it's not really a s- setup that's happened or in the manga or the anime yet. But I really think it's a setup that could be potentially a possibility to happen. And that's a setup uh, for Blackbeard. Um, so we've seen like back in the day, uh, back before they got to Skypea, uh, Luffy actually met Blackbeard. Y'all remember that? Yeah, for sure. And uh, he talks about, uh, he says that, you know, uh, the new era was a load of crap and that they believed that the day of pirate streaming of treasure will come to an end. And he laughs and says that the dreams of pirates will never end. And that kind of like, I think that kind of inspired Luffy uh, back then somewhat, uh, even more than he already was. And he also like told him about, uh, um, he also confirmed that Sky Island was a thing, I think, back then. And uh, that he hoped that Luffy found his way to Sky Island. Um, And just general stuff like that. And I think that he knew that Luffy was going to be like one of the top, you know, dogs in the world. um, Just by how he handled himself in those situations uh, back then. And um, like when Luffy and Blackbeard finally meet in the future. And y'all know it's going to happen. But... I think that they will look back upon this moment before Skypea had about when Luffy first met Blackbeard and they're going to look back on it. And this is going to be a long ass setup. The oldest fix in the pool. What do y'all yeah. think? I mean, they've already met a couple of times since then. I mean, they met in uh, Impel Down when yeah. Blackbeard broke in to basically assemble his crew. And they also met at Marineford. So I think they have a few times since then, but it's definitely building up to the final fight. Um, I don't necessarily think that Blackbeard was thinking all that about Luffy. I think he was just being conceited and thinking about himself. 
because you know Blackbeard I, I is sure. gonna be top. He's he's one of the top dogs, and he knew he was gonna be because of his 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 game plan. And uh, he wants the One Piece just as bad as everybody else, you know. Oh yeah, I, I love how Blackbeard and Luffy are foils of each other. I uh, I think they have like similar values, but how they go about expressing those values is the complete opposite. It, I it's, mean, it's, it's pretty like jarring how different they are, but still at the same time very very similar. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a big difference between freedom versus subjugation. You know, like Luffy wants to be the freest man alive and Blackbeard wants to essentially rule the world. So you got to look at it both ways, you know. That's very true. Yep. And also Luffy, like, you know, wants to do everything to protect his friends. Whereas Blackbeard, Blackbeard you know, would kill his he's friends. Got no re- yeah, he's got no real friends. There's people he pulled out of prison. Yeah, so. Definitely. Well, I guess going back from that sidebar. Um, how do we feel about Kid and Law going at going at it with Big Mom? Do you guys have any highlights from that fight? Oh yes, I uh, when Big Mom used Mama Raid and like jumped up in the air and started spinning. I didn't know old girl had that much motion in her. I just thought <laughs> she was a tank, man. Um, so I thought that was that my eyes opened a little bit when she did that, and I thought I thought uh, old Kid might get gravely injured the situation he was in, and uh, Law kind of like having his back and and keeping everything together he's been doing that this entire raid he's been a, a really great utility he's been um, doing that since stress rosa dude i mean yeah. actually actually before yeah. that he's been doing it since uh punk hazard you know he's always been that guy he's always had everybody's back so it definitely was awesome to see that fight though i mean big mom is fucking terrifying I'll, i've said it before and i'll say it again and i'll keep saying it she's fucking terrifying oh yes she's, she's like a god you know no she really is though um, a guy of her own little world. She can create life out of inanimate things and in, in, out of her imagination. That's yeah. godlike, and she's an she's an actual terror. Definitely. Just wait. Till, I mean, imagine if she was hungry right now, dude. That's what I've been waiting on. I'm, I'm trying to see a rampage. She's extremely terrifying in that in that uh in that situation as well because she'll just hurt whoever. Yeah, she's just like playing right now. I feel like. Oh yeah, she's not. She's not trying to lay down the law on them. If she, I think if she, I think she's gonna uh, lay down the law. <laughs> oh no, man! I think if she was going super hard, they they uh, they'd be in a bad spot. Yeah, one of the things I did like about this episode, it feels like a little like not a lot happened, but a little more happened than what we've been getting lately. So that was exciting. We had like kind of two fights going on at once, and um, you know they both kind of well, one of them came to a conclusion, which is always exciting. Anytime anything ends in one piece, you're like, all right, we're going to be going on to the next part. Let's well, go. Wow, the story's moving. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, literally. But um, no, I'm excited to see where the fight with Big Mom goes. Well, see it. I, I know what's happening, but I'm excited to see it. Do we, see it animated. Okay. Do we think we're going to get more Big Mom next week, or do you think we go up top again? I don't think we're going to go up top for a while. I think yeah. we're going to be seeing... Damn. Big mom. Um, if they and, go back, no. If they go back to anything, I think they'll go back to Sanji and Zoro so? fighting. Yeah, I, I want some then. more of that because we we haven't seen them fight out of the last few episodes in in a while. Um, I, I like when they're boxing. I love both of their fighting styles. They're probably my two favorite out of anybody. Yeah, and you can't imagine them oh to having an emperor go down before a couple. Uh, you know, like gotta clean up the, essentially. The mess. Yeah, yeah. Gotta gotta sweep the floor. So I think we'll see Big Mom, Big Mom come back in a little bit. They might, they might show them fighting still, but I don't think it's going to be concluded before those two fights are. I could agree with that. 
Can't have Big Mom going out super early. Nah. But awesome. Yeah, you guys have anything else to add on One Piece? I mean, like we said, it was it was kind of it was a really awesome episode, but uh there was really just two points to it, two focal points, and I think we covered them both there. Um Yes, sir. It's you know, it's what it's what it's the One Piece anime. Not, not a lot happens at once, but I I still enjoy it. I'm really I got dude, like I've said a million times, I'm really excited to go binge Wano again. Yeah. And watch One Piece it at is back. Watch yeah. it at the watch it at the pace that I watched every other arc at. I'm so excited <laughs> for that. They don't feel like they last as long when you do that either, man. I completely no, understand. Definitely not. But well, guys, we appreciate y'all hanging out for episode seven of the Anime DJs podcast. Make sure you hop in the Discord and let us know what devil fruits you'd want if you could have one. Again, I think I think the the chicest fruit would be super fun. If you're addicted to sitting on your phone and being on social media all day like I am, make sure to follow us across the board. We're on TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, everywhere, man. So appreciate you guys hanging out, and we'll catch you next time. Make sure to stay degenerate.